What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 200. 200. Oh, yeah. Are you going to sing <laughs> for our no, listeners? No, but we've been talking about this episode literally for like months now, I think. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to sing episode. a song in celebration. No. no. Sarah has a really good voice. She used to be in no, a band. No, no, And I'm always no, trying to get her to sing. <laughs> was never in a band. So maybe episode 400, you'll do it? Uh, maybe, maybe. She, she was in a band, but it was not. anyways, thank you for joining us here for episode 200. It's uh, awesome. I can't believe we've done 200 episodes I know. and feels like we're kind of just getting started almost. I mean, it feels like a while we've been doing it, but there's so much to cover and, and it's going to, you know, we're just going to keep doing this, right? Keep doing it forever and ever. <laughs> I was going to sing another song there. Forever, ever. Isn't that sing a song? No. no. Oh, man. Was that Biggie? Biggie Smalls? <laughs> You're going to rap. You're going to rap? Yes. Wow. I will you rap. guys are in for a treat. So I was going to rap. <laughs> Episode 400. Stay tuned. Oh, man. Well, anyways, we are so happy to have you guys here listening and we appreciate you. If you've been listening for this is your first episode or you've listened to all 200, we'd love to hear from you. If you've listened to all 200 episodes, good on you. And thanks for listening. We want to know message. your name so we can give you a shout out. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we have a great show for you today where we welcome a return guest, Diane Barth. She is a clinical and a social worker and psychotherapist in private practice in New York City, where she also teaches and consults with other therapists. And we talk about how to navigate our relationship with our in-laws. And this can also be our relationship with our own parents, um, but it's certainly an area that everyone is going to have to deal with, even if you're not married, but you're just dating someone, you're, I'm sure, interacting with the parents. And there's a lot to learn about that interaction, not about just about how you work on that relationship, but it's going to reflect on your own relationship with your own parents. And that, as we know, will tell you a lot about who you are and how you relate with your partner. Yeah. And even if you have an amazing relationship with your in-laws, I'm very fortunate to have one with Chase's mom. There's still a lot of valuable tools here for setting boundaries and just having good communication in general. Yeah. So enjoy that. And Sarah has a special announcement about a retreat that we got yeah, going on later so this year. So we have just released our Florida Couples Retreat, which is going to be in our hometown of St. Petersburg, Florida this fall in October, October 9th through the 13th. And we'll be staying in downtown St. Pete. And it's an amazing city. If you guys have not been there, we really encourage you guys to go to our website and check out all the details about the retreat. We'll be doing daily uh, relationship exercises led by a therapist, as well as tons of fun activities, an art mural, a sunset cruise, paddleboarding, the beach, museums. There's just so much to do. So we would love for you guys to check it out on our website, idopodcast.com. Up at the top navigation, you'll see couples retreat. And for the next two weeks, we have early bird special pricing. If you have any questions, please send us an email. And uh, we really look forward to doing this retreat with you guys. 
Yeah, and the link uh, will also be in the show notes. And like we talk about a lot, like doing new things, it's kind of the idea. We're going to have the exercises, but even if you're just looking to just spark the relationship, get out of the same old routine, um, we'd love to hang out with you, show us, show you uh, a town that Sarah grew up in. I lived there for about 15 years that we really love. And just to kind of mix things up, do some new things and, and rekindle the romance or, or just have a fun vacation and work on your relationship. So check that out. And as always, thank you for tuning in to 200 episodes or just one or two or a dozen, <laughs> however many you've been here with us. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Enjoy today's episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Hi, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. If our listeners haven't heard your previous episode with us, why don't you start off by having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Well, um, I guess it starts with the fact that I became a therapist because I have been interested in what makes people uh, tick ever since I can remember. And um, relationships are sort of the the basis for a lot of our um, a lot of what makes us who we are and starting from very, very young and then moving on into adulthood, into adult relationships and then relationships with our own children. Um, I, what I'm also really interested in is the fact that relationships change all the time and that so often uh, we think, you know, we're going to get into a relationship and it's going to be solid and set and secure. And that's really, I, I've never seen it happen. What I've seen is, is relationships change and we develop over time. And um, I really love helping people figure out how to be together uh, in those changing relationships. We love that. And and that's why we always got to do the work. Like they're hard exactly. in general and then they're yeah. always changing. And so the work never really stops, even in happy, content relationships. And today's topic is Especially one... Especially not in happy, content relationships. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. No, no. And, and, and today's topic is one uh, area that everyone will have to deal with. And some, it's going to be harder than others. And I love to, I love the quote of, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. <laughs> and this kind of <laughs> right. goes along those lines. And that is how to navigate relationships with the in-laws. And in particular, you know, we could start off by talking about how we can navigate a relationship with a helicopter in-law. So the in-laws that kind of feel like they're always in in your face, in your business, in trying to interfere, or interact with your relationship, or if you have kids, that's certainly another dynamic. So let's jump right in and, and talk about 
maybe the first steps to addressing the the issue there? Well, I think the first steps are actually so complicated because, um, you know, when you first meet the people who are going to become your in-laws, you're, everybody's on best behavior. Um, but uh, what actually happens is that you start to have um, relationships with your in-laws and they start to have relationships with you that are in some ways really reflective of your relationships with your own parents and their relationships with their parents and their relationships with their children. Um, and so, and your relationships with other people in your life. So one of the things that happens in, um, relationships with in-laws is that, uh, we mostly, we get involved with the person we are getting involved with. We don't think we're getting involved with their parents and their parents are often not the same as they are. And what almost nobody thinks about when they think about uh, in-law relationships, and this is, I've worked with, um, you know, in-laws who are the parents and in-laws who are the children. And um, what nobody seems to sort of take into account initially is that all of these relationships take work. They're not you didn't fall in love with each other. You, you know, the, the, um, <laughs> the people who are in love are not the parents and the, um, and the spouse. Um, and you have to figure out how to um, interact in a way that really uh, develops a relationship. So most people go into in-law relationships with expectations and, and assumptions. And one of the first things I do with couples who come in for uh, to work on their own relationship, but also to deal with uh, struggles with their in-laws, is I help them start to pay attention to what some of those assumptions are. And what would those be? Because it seems like sometimes that's going to push us towards a negative idea of what that relationship is going to be. You know, they can be both negative and positive. They can be... um, I, you know, so for example, one of the big ones is uh, the holidays. People come in and they, um, they're really enraged because their in-laws expect their, um, their spouse and them to be at the, at the holiday celebration, but they want to be with their parents. And everybody has an expectation about what, um, this married couple should be doing. <clears throat> and everybody has an expectation of what the parents should be doing. And um, everybody's feelings are really in danger of getting hurt. Um, and actually, I'll even back up because it even starts for a lot of couples with weddings where um, the, the let's say, in fact, I was just working with somebody whose, whose um, mother was very involved in the wedding planning and who this young woman expected her mother-in-law to be involved. Now, lots of people would be thrilled that their mother-in-laws weren't involved, but this young woman wanted her mother-in-law to be as involved as her mother. And the fact that the mother-in-law wasn't um, made her angry and and um, got her upset and started them off on a really bad footing, which was really more about assumptions. Um, I, and I happen to know because we've sort of teased it out over a over a period of time. The mother-in-law was was actually trying to not be too intrusive, and so she was holding back. The young woman was feeling like the mother-in-law just didn't care, 
And one of the things that I talk with people about all the time is that these assumptions will be dealt with quite easily if you start to communicate to each other about it. So if the, if the, if the young woman had been able to say to her mother-in-law, I would really love to have you be involved. Is that something you'd be willing to do? The mother-in-law could have talked about, you know, that she didn't want to be intrusive, but that she would love to be part of the wedding. Who would have thought a little bit of open communication <laughs> goes a have, long way, right? Yeah. Right. Like so many things we talk about, and I love that example because I actually thought you were going to say the other way around, and that's probably a common thing too. Is like the in-law yeah. is too involved, and she wants to be, and it just shows like there's there's going to be varying degrees, and and you're assuming one thing, and that's not the case, so. It's, exactly. it's so simple, but it always is worth repeating that just opening up the communication, like an example like that. And it's always going to be valuable. So let me, let me ask you, we have a couple relationships here. We have the partner, each partner's relationship with the in-law or, you know, it's their parents or it's the in-law and then the relationship right. between the partners. And so how can I, let's say I, want to communicate with Sarah about her parents and maybe it's the same thing. Her, her parents are not as involved in the wedding planning as I would like. How can I start that conversation with Sarah and and keep that open? The, The primary point being starting that conversation again, that communication being so important. Yes. It's a, it's a great question. And it's one that people struggle with all the time. So the, and, and you've, you've said the first piece of it is to just open the conversation. The second piece is to recognize that you are probably bringing a bunch of assumptions into the conversation and um, that you are going to need to try to tease out some of those assumptions. So for example, if we go back to the holidays, um, let's say that you're upset that Sarah's parents are not um, interested in, I mean, <laughs> it, it often is the other way around. So let's do it the other way. So let's say that, that Sarah's parents want want you all to be there and your parents want you all to be there. And um, you also would like to spend some time alone at home with your family over the holidays. So you have to start with the conversation of, Um, I know that our parents want something that's really going to be complicated. What would you like? And then let me tell you what I would like. And then, okay, now we also both want to please our parents, but we don't want to feel completely controlled by them. Can we talk about ideas of how, how to do it? And one of the places that couples get into so much trouble is they say, well, my family's always done it this way. And, and you, as a new family, as a new unit, you're going to have to find a way to do it that works for the two of you, your children, your parents, you know, on both sides. And often these days we're talking about multiple sets of parents. So, um, it, once the two of you have sort of figured out what would what you what would be ideal for you, and that may take a little hashing out because you may want actually different things, then you can start to talk about um, what can you do that would you know that would maybe meet some of your 
parents and your in-laws needs and how do you talk to them about it? Because that's the other thing is being able to have conversations with them. I feel like that so often you hear about these type of family dynamics where there is one side of the family that maybe has a lot more traditions or rituals and they really expect that the new family, you know, like for example, Chase and I will mold to meet those uh, rituals and to do that. And I think that alone is really hard to just for some people to step back and say, we're a new family union and we almost need to create our own rituals for our family that works for us. And so I'm sure that that's probably part of the dialogue that has to happen, but that is also really hard because that means that both of those people need to be aware of the potential scenarios of upsetting their parents. That's right. I mean, in some cases, it's really simple. So, so for example, for my husband and me, um, my parents' Thanksgiving was really important his parents' Christmas was really important. So we went to Thanksgiving in my house, my family's house, and was at his family's house. We actually wanted to spend, uh, whichever holiday it was, we wanted to spend with our son and with our friends instead of with our parents. And that absolutely requires a huge amount of tact and um, uh willingness to really discuss and, um, and, and, um, adultness on the part of everybody. And many times parents have troubles with that. Um, and, and that's where then a couple has to work together to say, um, okay, this is really upsetting to my mom. I'm not ready to do this this year. Could we make a compromise and maybe work towards it for next year, but I'm just not really ready to upset her this way? Or whatever the, the decision is, or, you know, or I, I know it's going to upset her, but I really want us to have our own ritual. So can you help me figure out how to address it with her? A lot of time, what I think is the hardest thing is that. Um, we don't recognize that our, either our parents or our in-laws are, um, they're human beings with feelings and doubts and vulnerabilities and concerns of their own. And so part of, part of what, um, is really helpful is if you can find a way to, to address it, not as though you're a child who's rebelling against your parents, but as an understanding adult who can say, you know, I know this is really hard for you, and I'd like for us to figure out something that will work for all of us, but I need you, my parents, or you, my in-laws, to work with us on this. That's a valuable framework, because I find it's like parent-child dynamics, they're never end. Like, into adulthood, there's exactly. still yeah. a, a dynamic of between myself and, and my parents, and sometimes I'll go into a situation like maybe let's use the example of holiday party with that, like I got to stand my ground, rebellious child kind of thing. Like I'm my own person and it's like, no, I'm an adult. And it, obviously that stuff is still there because that's just, we were raised under that parent and, and, but to kind of come above that, level and and have a conversation 
in a more rational, less emotional way is going to make everyone feel better. And realizing that my parents and my in-laws are people too. I think I'm 32. I still feel like my dad and my mom's son, like you're like stuck in this, like this vision that I'm a child kind of, I don't know, it's for lack of a better description, that's what it is. And and I am, but I'm also an adult with my own kid. And but that they are people too. And I, I think about this sometimes. Like I'm the age that my parents were right now when I was a five year old boy, which is crazy. Like yes. you know, and that's yes. a good perspective to have too. And it opens up so many things. But empathy and you know, even just you talking about choosing where we're gonna go for the holiday dinner, I flashed to Stella, who's three now, but like when she has a family and she's like, Hey, <laughs> Hey mom and dad, I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving because I'd like, really no. like, you know, that'd <laughs> no. be like crushing. That'd be like the saddest exactly. thing, you know, like just exactly. that framework. And, and, but like, I would have to then as a parent step back and go, you know what? Like I would appreciate her coming to me with like an honest dialogue and then me having to respect that decision and that she is coming into forming her own family and her own bonds. And, oh, it's going to be such a sad day, but <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that that's, is, but, but Chase, that is really absolutely, um, per, perfect. that's one of the things that I encourage people to do is to think about when they're going to be in that position and what it would feel like to them to be in-laws and to have their child want to do something that disrupts their experience of whatever it is, whether it's the holidays or um, any tradition or um, uh, whatever it is to be able to say to themselves, okay, so if I can think about what it would feel like for me, I can maybe think about what it must feel like for my mother, father, mother-in-law, father-in-law. Um, what what can I do to, um, as an adult, and, and you're so right that we tend to feel like, even when, uh, you know, I've worked with people who are 75 and they still feel like they're their parent's child. Um, but but uh, to think that we are adults, even with our parents, and that our parents are adults, which means they're not more adult than we are. They're, um, and it's just like our in-laws are not more adult than we are. They're, they're just people. Can we have a conversation about some of the things that are, that we, we know we would feel if we were in their shoes? Have you ever worked with any couples where the in-laws, they just don't like the parent or the sibling? And, and how does that even work? Because from this point, all this dialogue that you can have with your in-laws was kind of under the assumption that you guys relatively like each other and it makes conversation a little bit easier, but add in the element of not even really liking the in-law, how does that affect the dynamic? It's, It's a great question, Sarah, because I think that often, um, somebody doesn't like somebody. And, um, it can range. I, so, so I have worked with a couple who, um, the wife was extremely critical of the husband's parents. They came from different backgrounds. Um, they had different values and she was really openly critical about them. And he was actually quite close to his parents. 
So here's one of the ways that it's super complicated. I was pretty sure that he needed her to not like his parents as a way of helping him sort of separate from them. So I think that there was something about her not liking them that was good for him. But I also think that she didn't like them because he was so close to them. And so there was something about her feeling resentful and left out that was part of why she didn't like them. Now, I think she also didn't like some of their values and she didn't like something about their personality. But part of what I found really fascinating and complicated was how do you figure out sort of how to um, uh, support some of the strengths that are maybe in not liking somebody's parents (laughs) and also um, manage some of the snipery parts. And, And to make it even more complicated, I think that sometimes this woman disliked things about her in laws that she didn't let herself dislike about her own parents. So she could be mad at her mother-in-law for being uh, nosy, but her own mother could be nosy too, and she, she didn't let herself know that. So it's, it's um, I, I actually, I hate the phrase toxic in-laws um, because I think while there are some people who really are toxic, I'm not denying that, I think often, the problem is that we don't sort of make space for um, the really complex dynamics that go on uh, between all of the people in the in the in the picture. Um, and 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 again, the idea that we become children with our parents. Sometimes, when our spouse dislikes our parents, it actually helps us become. Um, more separate from our parents and more uh, more adults with them. But sometimes it backfires and sometimes it makes us more uh, their child. So all of that is just to say how complicated it is that I, again, I think that if you can, if you can start by talking with your spouse, that's the, that's the place that you start. And by really trying to, you know, just say things like, I don't like it when your mother does such and such. And then if, if he or she can say, yeah, but your mother does that too. Um, and why doesn't it bother you when she does it? And then if you can stop and think about that, not then get defensive and attacking each other, but stop and think about it, it makes it possible to have some kind of conversation, even though you're totally right. It's much easier to have a conversation when everybody likes everybody. And examining these things can help us learn so much about ourselves and our partner. It's like the point of being yeah. in relationship. One of the beautiful things is that it's this mirror to reflect on who we are and why we act the way we do. And that's a perfect example of like your dislike for the in-laws is probably more often not than not tied to your relationship with your own parents. And and like yeah. you said, it's complicated. It's There's probably millions of combinations of dynamics and things going on and, and we're never going to I don't want to say never, but we have to work to get to the truth of why we feel that way. And, and, and that could be changing too. And, and to have that conversation rather than just begrudgingly bite your lip when 
you have to go to the in-laws and then there's like these little skirmishes with your partner because you're having this argument about it and you're not communicating about it, but to open up that dialogue and, and just have open communication, not in, and I think you've touched on it. We don't necessarily have to have this communication with our in-laws. It's not like we need to, to like really hash it out with the in-laws and discuss their problem. You know, like then we're talking three levels of introspection and it can get very messy, but, but just at least doing it on the base level with yourself, with your partner, you're going to learn a lot. And then, you know, down the road, if you want to take that to another level, but, uh, it's, it's easier to not do that, to just, like I said, bite your lip or or whatever. And, but you're going to learn more and you're going to become a better person. You're going to have a better relationship if you have those uncomfortable conversations. But first, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Indochino. All right, guys, I'm pretty excited about today's sponsor, Indochino, because they are a made-to-measure menswear company. And if you haven't seen pictures of me, I'm 6'3", I got long arms, skinny legs, skinny waist. Freak of nature. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as that. I'm kidding. <laughs> but they make made to measure suits, shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. And if you are engaged, planning a wedding, or if you just want some excellent fitting clothes, they have tons of options for outfitting you for leisure, for work, or for all your groomsmen and your upcoming wedding. So if you're planning a beach wedding, they have a variety of casual shirts as well as tuxedos and dress shirts for more formal weddings. And Sarah and I's wedding was the first time I had a suit that was tailor-made to my measurements, and it certainly makes a difference, uh, especially if you have, what did you call me, a freak of nature? Um, <laughs> yeah, but you look super fly. Yeah, so, oh, super fly. <laughs> Thank you. So if you got a wedding coming up or if you just want to look super fly, as Sarah says, check them out because they have also a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from with the ability to personalize the details, including your lapel, as Sarah corrected me in the <laughs> first recording. Take, take three. Take three. <laughs> the lining, pockets, buttons, and you can write your own monogram. And this week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com. Dot com when you enter the promo code I do at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code I do for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. Get this incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. Today's episode is also brought to you by our course, Spark My Relationship. You're listening to the podcast, so you probably want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner. And if you can do it in less than 90 days, even better. We say it all the time on the show, a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes work. It doesn't just happen on its own. And that's why Sarah, 
really did all the heavy lifting on this. And you created <laughs> this course with the therapist that we've had on the show to really help you with the specific tools, exercises needed to create the lasting and positive improvements rather than just listening to the show and not really implementing them. This is a great way to have some accountability in a structured format to put the tools that we talk about on the show into practice. You can do this in 90 days, you can do it from home, and it is self-paced. So it is perfect for turning up the heat in your relationship, having some fun together, and really revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And like Chase mentioned before, we've worked with 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. And just some of those strategies are how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond and strengthen your couple micro culture and future together. So for our listeners only, we are offering a special promo for the course. You can find it at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, and you can access a special pricing just for you guys. So again, check out sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for your special promo. Check it out. Don't waste <laughs> any more time. Do, Do it. it. <laughs> For sure. And also, it may be easier in the moment. It's not easier long term. <clears throat> because, you know, if, you, if there's something that you don't like. So I get, I, I, there's an example from Isabella Allende, one of her books. I never can remember which book. But where she um, goes over to her son's um, a, a house, which is she has the keys to. They live near each other. She goes over and she moves the furniture around because she doesn't like the way they've got the furniture. And then she leaves and, you know, she, it's a very close family. They, they, um, uh, they're all sort of on a compound and they spend time together and she babysits for the kids. And, um, but the wife gets more and more upset because every time she comes home, the furniture has been moved. And, um, Isabella Allende writes, she knows that she shouldn't be moving the furniture, but she just can't help it because it doesn't look right in the places that they've got it. So she goes over and she moves it again. They move it back and she moves it again. And eventually the son says, you know, you have to stop. This is not okay. Um, and, and that is one of the things that I think does sometimes need to happen that it needs, there needs to, sometimes there needs to be a conversation where the child of the in-laws actually steps in to um, set a limit or set a boundary. But sometimes the in-law needs to do it. Sometimes it needs to come from the daughter to the mother-in-law or to the father-in-law um, that, you know, you, you cannot bring so many presents every time you come to see our child. Or um, if you're, you know, one of the big ones is, and my mother-in-law used to do this also, if you're trying to not have your child eat sweets and <laughs> your in-laws feel like, but every child should have ice cream and what is a little ice cream going to hurt? And you're, you know, this is part of your belief system and she's totally countermanding it and stepping on your to toes. It's really complicated, but the the best way to go into it is to have a conversation person to person. The problem is, of course, sometimes in-laws 
the the parents of your partner feel that they get to treat you like you're a child because they're the adults. And so if you go in really angry and storming like a kid, then they're going to still act like you're just a kid. But if you go in like you're an adult and you're talking not to your own parents, but to another adult, a, a you know somebody who maybe is a colleague or a, an acquaintance, not a friend, but somebody who you are trying to explain why you feel the way you feel, you're going to get a lot more headway. You still may not get them to stop giving your kids sweets, but you will get more headway in the relationship. And that is really important long-term in terms of your relationship with your spouse and with, or your partner or with, and with your children. And as you said before, with your, with your self. I like the fact that you mentioned boundaries because that type of communication will solve or at least attempt to solve a lot of future issues. And especially if you have kids, like that example you gave where it'd be like any number of things, the gifts, the sweets, I'm sure that happens almost universally that there's a discrepancy between what the the in-laws are doing and what you would like to see done. And sometimes it's not a big deal. And then but sometimes it is. And, and yeah. if you were explicit and say, hey, you know, use our daughter, Stella does not need, we don't want her to get ice cream because we're trying not to have that a big part of her life. So if you could please not take her to get ice cream and maybe next time take her to get frozen yogurt. I don't know, healthy alternative, <laughs> whatever. Right. Like if you feel right. like exactly. you need to feed them to show your love, yeah. let's... Uh, Here's an alternative and then explain why, you know, because you don't want to hurt the feelings of the in-law in their communication. Like, don't do it because I said so. And if you do it again, you're not going to see the kid. Like, that could be how they take it. Instead, explaining, setting up the boundaries in in an open communication. And and then in the future, everyone kind of knows where you stand. And hopefully that boundary doesn't get crossed. And and. There's not like this gray area and you're not like seething because you haven't communicated and you're like, oh, every time Stella comes home, she's hyper and bouncing off the walls (laughs) because (laughs) the in-laws gave her ice cream. I hate when they do that and it builds up resentment, all this stuff that that open communication would just solve. Well, I, I, I'm sorry to be uh, (laughs) a little negative here, but it doesn't always solve it. And, And you have to be prepared for that part of it, too. That sometimes, I mean, so I say to couples all the time that what's super important is respect. They need to respect each other. They need to respect their parents. And they need to help their parents learn to respect them. And strangely enough, I think boundaries are really, really important. But rigid boundaries actually interfere with respect. Because if you think about what you do with Stella or, um, well, let's, let's just say with Stella for a minute, I'm a, I imagine that you set limits with her, you give her consequences, but you also sometimes bend the rules. You sometimes accept that at this point, she's just really, maybe she's prepared to follow a certain rule or she's, she just needs something else. And that's really important with your in-laws also. Um, it goes back to so recognizing they're they're human and and um, I mean 
I'm not, if there's somebody who's really, really always crossing you, it's a different story. And we can talk about that for a minute, but, but somebody who just wants to give your kid ice cream, even though they know that you don't want it. One of the things you can do is come up with other activities. You can say, you know, um, how about you take her to the park today? Or how about you take her to the zoo today? Or how, you know, and she may get ice cream in the process, but at least it's not a trip to somewhere to get ice cream. It doesn't, it's, it's, you sort of negotiated a little bit and compromised a little bit, but you've also given them um, a place where they can, uh, express their affection, but but not necessarily the, in a way that feels bad to you. Hundred percent. That I totally agree. And yeah, boundaries. It, I, I should have been more clear. Definitely is not going to solve everything, but will prevent a lot of headaches of not talking about it. it it's like that within sure. the relationship of like if you don't communicate with your partner what you want, like they're not a mind reader or like what you dislike. Exactly. <laughs> like I shouldn't get upset with Sarah if she's not doing something, you know, cause I think she should just do it. And, and that's the exactly. way that she should be. It's like, I need to communicate that directly in a, you know, non-confrontational manner rather than assume that she's going to do it a certain way to, to appease me because that's just what she should do. Right. Exactly. And, and exactly that. The more you talk, the more you sit, um, the uh, sort of the example for yourselves to keep talking. So um, it, it, to go back to a younger couple, the more they are able to start talking to both sets of parents or all, however many sets of parents and step parents there are, the more they then are going to be able to do it as time goes by and other things happen and it becomes more complicated. So the sooner that you start those kinds of conversations, and, and one of the things I say to people is think about it as, as not as your partner's parents, but as um, somebody who you've just met who might become a friend or might not, but who you have to negotiate with for whatever reason, maybe somebody at work or somebody, uh, a neighbor, who you, you have to learn about each other. And the only way you learn about each other is, is to talk. Is there any other common challenges that you see among in-laws or any advice that you could give our listeners to help navigate any specific situations that you commonly see? Um, well, I think we've covered the, the, um, the assumptions idea, but there are all sorts of assumptions that, that um, people have to n- navigate. The assumption that you're, so, so for the in-laws, the assumption that you're, you're um, your child's spouse will will be interested in the advice that you always give to your child. You know that they'll they'll be ready to take it. And and it's uh, speaking as a, a parent in law myself. Um, it's really important to to for the parent in laws to um, recognize that they're uh, neither their adult child nor their adult child's partner is really um, uh, going to necessarily embrace all of your advice. On the other hand, as the partners, um, I think that one of the things that that uh, creates problems is that 
while on the one hand, I, I think boundaries are extremely important. On the other hand, um, there's often some conflict about how the boundaries are set. And again, I mean, as we keep talking about, I think one of the things that you have to really um, work on is being able to articulate to each other as partners and then together to to the parents uh, what the boundaries are in a um, loving and caring but but firm way. Um, I think the the main thing to keep in mind is that um, that relationships require work. And if you're going to have a good relationship with your in-laws, you're going to have to work at it. That is a very important thing to keep in mind. And before we finish up, Diane, I just want to talk about the example you touched on. But what if we have an in-law where we are really just bumping heads and they are not mm-hmm. respecting us. And we talked about boundaries and it's okay if they're pushed a little, but they're just really disrespecting those boundaries and there's a lot of conflict there. How can we navigate that kind of situation? That's a really good question and a really hard one. I think that, um, again, it depends on the couple. But where I would start, even with uh, in-laws who are who are just not being respectful, um, I would start with trying to understand what their relationships with their parents had been. And usually your, your partner can give you some insight into that. Um, and to try to think about what they, what you, so here's where you have to be the adult in the situation. So to try to think about what you could offer them that they might be trying to get from you through this kind of, um, refusal to respect you. Um, and I'll tell you one um, example from my life. My mother and my husband were not um, were not <laughs> well matched. They did not get along, and um, so they would they would actually fight with each other. And I would get really upset. And at one point, finally, my mother said to me, "If you would stay out of the middle, we'd figure this out." And I thought that was a really, it was very hard for me, but it was a very smart thing for her to say. Um, She didn't exactly say it nicely and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a a really easy conversation. But in some ways, one of the things that we also have to remember is that um, while we need to present a united front, we also need to each work out our relationships with all of the different parties. And and so it's hard to give a, a generic, um, uh, you know, sort of rule here because it, it really is about working it out with each individual. But I think starting with the um, assumption that the person is not a bad person, they're just trying to do something that you don't want them to do for reasons that you don't understand. Well, Diane, that is a great place to wrap up and a great perspective to take forward because like you said, these things are complicated. There's not a one size fits all answer that you can give us and our listeners, but you've given us some great tools to take into practice and into these dynamic relationships. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming back on the show. So let's finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. 
Okay, and it, it, it was a pleasure, as always. You all are wonderful, so thank you. Um, I, you can reach me at dianebarth.net. Um, that's probably the easiest uh, way to get me. Excellent. Well, we'll have the uh, link to your website on our show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And like Chase said, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you. It was, it was fun. Thank you. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, We are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week